Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. This is our third week in a series on the book of Ruth. And we've been encouraging everyone to read uh, this book. Lots of people are, have been telling me that they did, did read the book. It's only four chapters. They read it in its entirety, and um, they're getting lots of amazing stuff out of it. And the series is A Life of Faithfulness, A Legacy of Fruitfulness. How many know when we're faithful, God makes us fruitful? Amen. And so each, each chapter is focusing on a different aspect of the faithfulness of God. And I have to tell you, today's message is either one of the secrets to your spiritual strength or it's one of the reasons for why there's weakness in your life. And God's church is empowered by certain truths and it can also struggle because of the opposite of some truths. Almost like, like even the church can develop sort of like a spiritual anemia when someone is anemic, uh, it's that there's, their blood is weak. And because their blood is weak, I know I'm speaking in very general terms. Because their blood is weak, their whole body, they, the person can function, but they lack energy. The re I bring this up because one of our staff members went to the doctor and found out that they were anemic. And they gave them, they said, your blood is low in iron. They gave them some iron pills. And they're like, man, I can't believe how, how well I feel. And, and this is kind of similar but in a, in, a, in, a, in, in a spiritual sense. And the truth that I'm talking about is very often ignored, e even in, in this generation. Now, there's a book that I have in my library, and the title of the book is uh, Hard Sayings of the Bible. I think that today, when you see the subject matter that we're going to talk about, I think that today could be characterized or received as a hard saying of the Bible. And yet, what I want to talk to you about is so important and um, so crucial, so fundamental to how strong we are in God and how blessed we are. So crucial to being faithful. How many want to be blessed and be faithful? Amen. And you got to be faithful in order to be really blessed and and um, uh, so what I want to do is, is read, and then I want to pray for the grace. The Bible says in many, many places, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And, and we need an ear to hear from the Holy Spirit. So let's jump right into it, Ruth chapter 3. Um, Ruth in the last chapter started to glean uh, in in one of the fields that Boaz owned. And so uh, um, Boaz happened to be uh, her guardian redeemer, which we talked about last week. I'll mention just a little bit about that again today. And now the bio, this chapter begins with one day. And what that means is we don't know how much time has passed. But all we know is that sooner or later, this chapter came about, and let's go ahead and begin. It says, one day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you 
where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best uh, clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he is finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am Ruth. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Now look up here for a moment. We've got some more to read, but I want to reemphasize this. In the book of Ruth, this, is a, a, this verse is really um, not just a literal verse in terms of culturally speaking. When someone, uh, when someone got married, if they had siblings, if a, if a man had brothers and he got married and he died, it was expected that that man would marry the wife so that to, in order to carry on his name and so that they could continue to hold that property. And so he was called the guardian redeemer. So in a very local and immediate context, that's what that meant. But in a biblical context, in a New Testament context, this is really talking about Christ. Because Christ is our guardian redeemer. How many know that we were like Ruth. We had nothing and we had no background and we had no family. And we were in famine and we lost everything. But Jesus came as our guardian redeemer and he spread his cloak to cover us. And to bring blessing and life. Aren't you thankful that we have a guardian redeemer today and his name is Jesus. And this is a type of Christ. This is talking about Jesus right here. And yet there's also the immediate context of what was happening at that time. But it's always important for us to understand when you read the, New Te- the Old Testament or always know that there are arrows in the Old Testament pointing to the New Testament, pointing to Christ. And Jesus is our guardian in some translations. Jesus is our kinsman, redeemer. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But nonetheless, let's keep going. Here it says, uh, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a garden redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. It went based on who was closest in relation, who needed to take on that responsibility. Let's keep going. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. 
Lie here until morning. How many know that Jesus didn't have to do it, but he chose to do it because he loved us? He chose to do it because he loved us. And then he says, so she, and then the Bible says here, so she laid at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed uh, the bundle on her, and then he went back into town. Now, I just want to stop for a second, and I want to highlight the fact that already and once again, the blessing of God <coughs> is pouring, is being poured out on Ruth's life. Even though she came from famine, even though she didn't have a husband, even though she didn't have a, a, a father-in-law, even though they were poor. How many know when you're faithful to God, God is not broke, God's vats are not empty, and he can bless you from anywhere and any place already. There it is again and again and again. She's faithful to God, and the blessing begins to pour down upon her. Oh, if we could just get a hold of this. That the blessing of, uh, upon our lives, how many know, has nothing to do with the economy. That was like a weak amen, but I, I get it. You put it. Amen. I get it. No, it's true. It's true. God can bless you despite what's going on in this world. He's able. He's the king of the universe. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask. Or think. All he says is just follow me and be faithful. And here it is. It says, then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. So even now her mother-in-law is, is being blessed as well because of Ruth's faithfulness. Let's keep going. Almost done here. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. And I can't wait for next week as we get into what happens after this. Now, the title of the message today is Faithful to Counsel. Faithful to Counsel. Because what you see is the blessing of God being poured out on Ruth's life because she was faithful to counsel. Now, I want to say this up front. The, the, the value of wisdom and counsel is something that has been lost or at least greatly underestimated. People don't understand the power of following wisdom and counsel. They don't understand how deeply embedded counsel is in the kingdom of God and what a gigantic role biblical counsel plays in the kingdom of God. And and, and what we have to see and what you will see even in today's passage is that counsel is a kingdom activator. The counsel of God is a kingdom activator in our lives. And so when we're faithful to God, it activates the powers of the kingdom of God. And what I want to do is I want to pray. 
There's a reason why it's already quiet. It's, the birds are already chirping. You know why? It's because in general, this is a very difficult thing for this generation and this, this day and age. But here's what I want to, I want to make an appeal to you, all right? The world is one way, but how many would agree we're not supposed to be like the world? And just because there are certain things that dominate this society and this culture, how many know those same things shouldn't dominate the way we think and the way we live? The Bible says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what I want to do is I want to pray that God would give us the mind of Christ and ears to hear this very, very important truth. Okay? Just take it as, as like, a, like maybe like cream spinach. Eat your veggies. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. And we praise you for this time. And God, I ask that you would breathe upon our church. Lord, in every church that's preaching the gospel, breathe on Moody Church today, Lord. Breathe on churches on the south side and the north side and the west side, Lord, in the suburbs. Father, we pray that by your mighty power that you would strengthen your people all over this city. And God, today we open up our hearts and God, I ask that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. God, that somehow you would grip us with an urgency to recognize that your word is being spoken and that you're speaking into our hearts and our lives because you love us and you want to bless us. Father, help my feeble lips. And God, I pray that you would give everyone the grace to, to receive exactly according to your will. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. So what we're going to do now is we're going to look at how Ruth was faithful to counsel because a lot of people think that they're good listeners and that they're good at taking counsel, but they're really not that good. And um, uh, the Word of God is going to show us how is it that we're called to take counsel. And here's the first thing that Ruth did. The first thing that you see was that Ruth honored God's directional impulses through her mother. The reason why I put mother is because you should see your mother-in-law as your mother. Okay, I know it was her mother-in-law. But God honored, uh, Ruth honored God's directional impulses through her mother. God gives us direction through counsel and that counsel comes through people over us. And, and he, gives, he gives it through impulses to people over us. In other words, the kingdom of God operates in the same way the body does. Here's an example. When you were driving to church today, while you were driving, if a car was getting close to you or if it looked like maybe uh, you, you could hit a car or maybe an accident could potentially happen while you were driving, maybe a, a dangerous circumstance, what happened was is that your brain, which is the head, 
Your head sent impulses to your hands and your feet, and they worked in coordination to say, in some cases, you're, you're, you may have gotten some impulses to step, uh, step on the brake or, or turn right and then step on the gas or whatever it was. And because you did that, because you responded to the impulses that came from your head, it, you avoided an accident. Or, or maybe perhaps you were trying to get here and you're trying to follow directions and you knew it's, I have to turn left here. Your brain says to your hands. You didn't say, hands, turn left. You received impulses from your head and you're naturally, you turned. And if you didn't make that turn, you wouldn't be here right now. Okay, now the kingdom of God operates in very similar ways. And I want to put up a chart that just covers part of the, the, the world that God has created. But there are many more examples of this. Let me put this, oh snap. Let me put this, there it is. Okay, so God's counsel is sort of like an umbrella over our lives. Here's just a few examples. The Bible says that Christ is the head of the church. How many know that I'm not the head of the church? Christ is the head of the church. And we're, we are here to follow Jesus and his word. How many would say amen? Okay, and so the body is called to follow Christ. We're not called to follow trends. We're not to called to follow the world. It doesn't matter what community centers are doing and, and what, what, what is happening in different places. We follow Christ, and Christ gives us his word. He is the word. We follow the word of God, and as Christ is the head, he sends impulses to the body, and we follow his will. Okay, in the same way the Bible says, for example, in marriage, the man is the head. Okay, the man is the head of the house. When it comes to the final decision-making process, the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. Now, you might be here and say, well, I don't like that. Well, it doesn't matter if you like it. That's the way God made it. I'm going to hit my amen button right now. <laughs> amen. It's true. It's true. That doesn't mean that the man walks around like this. I'm the king of the castle. But there comes a point when there is a decision, a final decision to be made, God says, I want the man to be the final word. Okay? Same thing with parents. Parents are the heads of the home. And the Bible says, remember the first commandment to people is honor your mother and father so that it will go well with you. So here's how that fleshes out. There are impulses, and we've all experienced this, there are impulses that God gives your mom or your dad, and how many of us have come home and, and, uh, and, our, and the, it was a jacked up day. And our mother's standing there like this. And she goes, I told you so. How many have ever experienced that? Can I? All right, come on, tell the truth and shame the devil today. You know that's true. All of us have experienced, I told you so. And why? It's because there's, there are directional impulses that God gives to our parents for our lives. You know what? You're probably more apt to do this than that. You, you, you're more engineered towards this thing versus that thing. You're more gifted this way than that way. That's how we get counsel from our parents. Honor your mother and father so that it will go well with you. Why? Because God speaks to through our, our moms and our dads. How many would say amen? amen? Now, I need to pause here for a second. This is a, this is a very, very important thing. I need to pause here. 
Because sometimes people have been hurt by people in authority. And I want to acknowledge that right up front. And maybe your dad drank a lot and wasn't around. Maybe, you know, there was some situation with your mom. Maybe there was a pastor that hurt you. Maybe there was a pastor who was a con artist and a shyster. And there are those. Okay. Well, God doesn't ask you to submit to unrighteousness. Okay. So if somebody's telling you to smoke crack, you don't have to do it. Because it's not biblical. But listen, just because one leader hurt you doesn't mean you throw out a kingdom principle. All right, just because you were hurt here or there, that doesn't mean you throw out the kingdom principle. If you throw out the kingdom principle, you're going to miss out on blessing. The Bible is clear about this. God appoints authority to maintain order, to reveal direction, and to impart blessing. Here, today, these are, this morning, these are some real-time examples. So yesterday, right here, uh, uh, um, you know, some, some, a young couple got married here. And it's a beautiful story. Young lady came to our church, I don't know how many years ago. And uh, like a serious testimony, when she came, she was really broken. And God began to heal her and restore her. At a certain point, her mother actually said this yesterday to one of our staff people. Uh, that she said, you know what, I'm never getting married. I don't really think marriage is for me. And, um, and I'm going to go to the mission field. And so there was someone at the church at the time who's re- really free with counsel. You know, and every church has those people who are just very free. And they're just giving advice to everyone, which you need to be very sensitive about that. If I could give you a piece of advice, you know. They were very free with counsel, and they said to her, you know what you should do? You should go to the mission field. You should do this. You should do that. I've got some contacts, and on and on. So she went and spoke to Pastor Dave. And Pastor Dave said to her, you know, you might be called to the mission field. I don't doubt it. But can I tell you something? Right now, you're not ready. You're not ready for that right now. I don't think that you should be doing that right now. And you'll see later on in the message. And she said to him, okay, you're my pastor. I'll just do what you said. And I'll wait. So in the next couple of months, she met some brother who came to the church, quiet, low-key guy, serving, growing, you know, man of God. And sooner or later, they, their friendship turned to courting and now, you know, they went through premarital, the whole deal, and they got married yesterday. And they were so overjoyed. But wait, wait. So here's the thing. One of our staff members was sitting across from her father. You know what her father said to him? He said, I have never in her whole life seen her so happy. Never. Okay. Do you know why? It's because at a crucial moment, she listened to counsel. She didn't take it as a put down. She said, you're my pastor. I'm cool with that. Let's see what happens. Now, while we were talking about this this morning, somebody else, this, is, this, is, this happened just this morning, fresh examples. And we were talking about this morning, someone said, I, someone said listen, one of, uh, I think it's a, a family member, a distant relative, was at a church, a great church 
in this country and was doing an internship at a great church. And while they were doing an internship, they said to their leader, listen, I'm going back home because I need to, I need to go to a wedding, right? Is there anything wrong with going to a wedding, guys? No. But the leader, now, we don't, this is what we don't know. The leader said to her, who knows why, what were the processes and what were the dynamics that caused this leader to have these impulses. But the leader said to her, I really don't think that you should be going back for this wedding. I think you need to stay put. Okay? And so she went anyway. So she went anyway and she met a guy at the wedding. And she, she got involved with this guy. She left the internship. She kind of stopped serving God. She actually got married very, in a rushed kind of way. And then the relationship became abusive. And today she's divorced. Now, I need to, this is one of those messages we got to kind of talk through. What am I saying? Am I saying that people over you get to control your life? No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this. When people over you give you counsel, you need to pay attention. You need to recognize that God will very often speak to us through the people over us. And obviously there's a bearing of witness and there's a confirmation. It's, there's, a, there's a spiritual agreement that takes place. I'm the lead pastor of this church. But we have a board. We have three deacons and the other pastors sit in on it. And you know what? I don't make major decisions at this church if I can't get our three board members to say, yes, that's God. It doesn't matter. I may feel like, well, God spoke to me. And I, may, I had a revelation. I even saw it on the screen. It was like writing on the wall. It doesn't matter. The Bible says the spirit bears witness. In other words, the spirit is able to persuade the people who God puts in your life to help you make decisions. Don't you think that God is able to influence your mom and dad in regards to who you marry or where you go or your pastor or your teacher or, or your boss? You see, God is able, and here's the way God operates. God gives impulses to them and he says... Don't do this. It's so funny. You know, I come from an old-fashioned Cuban home. My brother married a Cuban girl. And uh, uh, my sister married an Italian, but he spoke Spanish. And I married a girl who didn't really speak Spanish. I married a, a, a gringa. <laughs> you know? I remember going to my mom and saying, Mom, I want to get married to Chrissy. What do you think? And I thought, well, you know, she doesn't understand your culture. She probably can't make rice and beans. No, you know what she said? She says she's the one. My mom's not even a Christian like I am. She says she's the one. She and you, you guys make a team together. You guys are going to do something for God. She's the one. How many know God is able to speak to the people over us? To this very day, to this very day, I'm 50 years old. If we have a major decision, this has happened so many times where we're going to make a major decision. I'll call my dad. My dad, my dad doesn't read the Bible every day, but he's my dad. Dad, what do you think about this? This happens so many times. My dad will start preaching. 
He's like, yeah, you're supposed to do this. Go. God's going to bless you. I'm like. (laughs) You see, because God loves us enough to put holy impulses in the people over us. If you've been let down by some people that were not in a holy place, don't stop trusting God to put good people over you. Amen. I think that's a, hallelujah. That's a good one right there. Somebody gets extra points for that clap right there. It's very, very important. Look at what the Bible says very quickly. I just need to say this very quickly. Look, listen, my son, accept what I say and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Look at this in the book of Romans. Okay, Romans chapter 13, 2 says this. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resists what God has appointed. In other words, look at me, guys. You have to understand the kingdom of God is invisible. And you've got to see the invisible. You've got to see that God has a kingdom of structure and God appoints authorities. That's why we need to pray for our police officers. How many know if a police officer says, go over there? You should go over there. Because because he's appointed by God as an authority. And yes, yes, here's, here's why our society is so corrupt. And here's why authority has gotten corrupt. Because when you even look at the educational system, God's word, Christ is the head of the world. God's word is, the, is, is the, the essence of truth. And what we're teaching kids nowadays, it should be the truth. But people are not teaching the truth now. And because we're not teaching the truth, the Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the Bible says submit to those over you in the Lord. Submit to people in authority over you. Acknowledge those that are in authority. The world says you don't have to listen to anyone. Do whatever you want. Live however you want. You know, live, sleep around. Do whatever with your body. Do whatever what you want with, with your mind and your time and all this kind of stuff. That's what the world is teaching. It's okay to do whatever you want. But that's That's not what biblical authority says. You see? So listen. So listen. Just because the world is like that, we don't want to miss out on being made fruitful by God. What that means is we have to come under God's authority and we have to listen to what's being told to us. It's so funny. It was so quiet last service just like this. I wonder why. I told you, this is a bit of a hard saying, you know. But can I just say this? Look, I want to make an observation. There's a, there's a, a, a and I, wanna, I want you to receive this. This is a real generalization, um, but I believe that it's kind of accurate. And I think it speaks to all of us regardless of where we are. So there are different labels that they've put on um, different generations. There are the baby boomers. Right. These were the children of the. Uh, these were the children of, of those who survived the Great Depression. And then there were the Gen Xers. I'm a Gen Xer. And then there are the Millennials. Millennials are those that were born after 1982. And can I make a couple of observations? And so we'll just think about this and pray about this. Let's put this up. 
So baby boomers were born between 1946 and 1964. And because this is a generalization, if this doesn't apply to you, please don't be offended. But listen. Okay, just listen. Think about this. Baby boomers were, in fact, look at me for a second, okay, and let's, let's practice submitting to authority. Look right at me now. So look, baby boomers, baby boomers for the most part were the children of those that went through the Great Depression. And, and it doesn't take a lot to, to, to recognize the impact that the psychological, emotional impact of living through a time where there's no work for anyone and barely any food, you see. And that had a huge impact on those people and though their children were raised under a certain mindset. And what you see with baby boomers is baby boomers as a generation, they wanted to work, work, work and be successful. And if you look at what the baby boomer generation created, it's actually amazing. You know where we got Target from and Walmart from and all of these massive, amazing things that have taken place in, in our culture? It's all from baby boomers. You know where mega church came from? It came from baby boomers. You see, because these people grew up with an ethic, I got to work, I got to work, I got to work, I can't be poor. Now, part of that meant that they were working so much that they didn't have a lot of time for intimate connection with family. That doesn't mean everyone, but there was a lot of that. And there was also kind of a mindset with baby boomers that said, I worked hard, and you know what, you young bucks, you work hard too, and I'm, got, I'm not going to give you a lot of counsel. And I can tell you, as a 50-year-old man, there, there have been a lot of people older than me that I've tried to get advice from, and it's not always been that easy. They haven't been that quick to give the secrets of their success. And so part of what happened with the Generation X is Generation X, which is my generation, became too insecure to actually give counsel. And if you look at the current leaders of our day, you know what current leaders of our day do? They want to accommodate everyone. Come on, hey, let's make peace. Everyone be happy. They don't want anyone to get upset. And leaders lack the courage to tell the truth right now. Hey, you know, don't offend everyone. Uh, let's be politically correct. And politically correct is nonsense. It's nonsense. Okay? If something is bad for you, it's bad for you. And don't you realize that a bad conversation, a conversation that says you're wrong is way better than the outcomes of, ma of, of making bad choices. That's when it's really going to be bad. You see, that's when it's really going to get ugly. But we're living in a day is you can't offend anyone and you can't do this. And you know, it's all the Generation Xers that are, that are basically, you know, leading the way. It's because they're afraid to live with courage and conviction. Part of it is, is because we didn't get a lot of downloads from up top. And then at the same time, when we go to give downloads to those below, those below don't, don't really want to hear it because millennials don't really feel the need to be counseled. Millennials, and listen, we produce this. We produce this to a certain degree. How do we produce it? We produced it by, by doing things like, hey, when you're four years old and, you're, and your neighbor comes over, call him by his first name. Don't call him Mr. Okay? Call him Hank or John. 
You know, when my son was a little boy and we were on the baseball field and the coach was like, call me Joe. I said, you call him Mr. Joe. <laughs> Why? Because respect is important. Listen, listen, hold on. I'll never forget the day Tommy and Annie were like this big. Okay? They were like this big. And we went to a supermarket and the lady asked them, and they, when they were little, they almost looked like twins. And the lady asked them a question. And they went, yes, ma'am. The lady went, she ran over and grabbed a bucket of candy and was going like this. Here! I said, you see what I'm talking about? God blesses that. I, I preached a mighty sermon in the car that day. But you see, for us, there is no authority. You don't respect anyone. You don't come under anyone. That's the old school. How many know some of the old school is the best school? Can I get an amen? And so it's very, very important. We've allowed that. And now this is also the first generation. Could you put that back one more second? Okay. The, the millennials are the first generation that when they have a question, they go to the computer before they go to their parents. In other words, in Google we trust. But how many know Google doesn't get godly impulses? You see? And so this is very, very important. If you are a millennial, this is very, very important not to be offended by what I just said. It's important to recognize that, that God wants you to see his invisible, powerful kingdom. And when you come under, you can be led and directed just like Ruth was. And powerful, very, very powerful things happen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, let's keep going here. Let's keep going here and see the second thing that she, that we can learn from her life. Ruth accepted each of the components of counsel. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, that's timing, he will be winnow, uh, winnowing barley on the threshing floor, a specific place, that's direction, okay, Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. That's strategy. Okay. The will of God has many, many components. Okay. There's timing, there's direction, and then there's strategy. And notice what she said. Okay, keep going here, and then we're going to go to the next slide. He says, when he lies down, note the place where he is, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. And here's what Ruth said. Everyone, let's read this together. I will do whatever you say. I saw some of you go like this. I will do whatever you say. Way to get that out. Good job. You see, there are components to, to counsel and you have to follow all of the co components to counsel. Go ahead and put up the next slide for me. God's counsel is comprised of timing, direction, and strategy. Notice tonight. You know, notice where the threshing floor. 
strategy. Wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best, and then go. Here's the best. We couldn't fit it on this slide, but this is how you know this is God. Okay, everybody listen to me. Right after that, she says to her, now look, don't even let him know you're there until he finishes eating and drinking. How many know, okay, a man likes to eat. Don't try to do business when a man, when he's trying to eat, because let the brother eat. If you let the brother eat, he's going to be happy. You try to mess with that, it's like, no, out. Come on, brothers. How many would say amen? I just want to eat my meal in peace. Amen. You know that's God. You know that's ancient wisdom right there. From the beginning of time. Yo, she noticed, she said, wait until he's finished eating. How do you know wisdom is even in the little things? Okay? Don't present that big project to him while he's eating. Wait. And so we have to under sometimes, sometimes you could say to someone, hey, we really believe that this is God's will. Okay? Just not right now. You know, there's a timing to the will of God. Or, yeah, you, you, you should be going that way, but here's the way you should do it. Like someone might say, look, first pay your bills and then do that. Okay, it's like, I want to do it now. I want to do it now. Why are you messing with my plans? You're such a hater. It's like, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. Don't get in more debt. It's going to hurt you. You see, there are all sorts of, the will of God is not just one thing. And, and I want to, let, let me put it to you this way. Even though when you are in God's will, there's difficulty and opposition. Here's the way it goes. Okay. A. B. C. D. The straightest distance between two points is a straight line. Might have hardship, but when you're under the will of God, he leads you. Now here's what happens. When you get counsel, all right, and you reject the counsel of God, it looks like this. A, B, C, D, help me, Lord. You're like, what are you doing over there? You know, where, how did you end up over there? And can I tell you, I want you to think about this from this perspective, right? On, um, on any given, we've got close to, if you throw the deacons in, let's say, we've got about 30 people on staff. This is super conservative. I can give you way more high numbers, but just so that you could get your head around the process, a kingdom process. This happens in a home. This happens at a school. This happens all over the place. But anyway, let's just say the average person on staff gives three pieces of godly advice, hopefully, three pieces of godly advice a week. If the average person on staff, which is 30, that's 90 pieces of advice one week. Nine times four is 360, one month. Okay? And then if you add all of those up, who knows how many in the course of a year. Can I tell you how many times out of those 360 pieces of advice, it is often, very, very often that someone, we give them advice and they're like, well, I don't, I don't really like what you said and I, I don't like the way that makes me feel and all this kind of stuff. And so what happens is after six months they come back and guess what, they get advice and you know what we tell them? 
the same exact thing. Pastor Butler's here. I, 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 I can have him stand up and testify to this right now. You know? There's a blessing that comes from people over you. One of the things I wanted to mention is that every single one of us has people over us and they can tell us and give us advice. Just randomly, when I came to this city, Pastor Dr. Lutzer is one of the, the top leaders of the city. You know, and you know what he did? He was so kind. He came to our church and I spoke with him, got all kinds of advice. I got counsel from Bishop Brazier on the south side. He said a number of things. I took our whole staff to Bishop Brazier. Our whole staff, all of the team, all of our workers at the time, I took them all. And I said, Mr. Brazier, we're here to listen to you. Tell us, tell us about your wisdom. And I remember saying, tell us some of the secrets of how you, you accomplish so much. And here's what Bishop Brazier said to me. Bishop Brazier said to me, I would never dare, I would never dare to take credit for something that the Lord has done. I was like, oh, snap. Dr. Lutzer came. He said, we talked for a little. He said, let's go up in the sanctuary. We went on the sanctuary. Dr. Lutzer. Dr. Lutzer. Okay. We're talking about a proven man of God. He said, Al, come on, let's get on our knees. We got on our knees. And he prayed over our church. And we got the blessing of the Lord from him. We believe in the blessing of the Lord coming from people over us. You know, we're not just fooling around here. The kingdom of God can impart blessing to your life and to my life. God can bring people over you and they can lay their hands on you and pronounce the blessing of the Lord. Maybe you say, well, I don't see that in culture. I don't see that at Northwestern. Who cares about Northwestern right now? We're talking about the kingdom of God. How many would say amen? You got to see it. You got to see the invisible kingdom of God. You got to recognize. You know. You got to get it. She gave her a strategy. Watch this. Okay, Ruth, go down. And when he's sleeping there, lay down at his feet. You know what she said? She said, I ain't laying down at no man's feet. <laughs> there it goes. There goes Boaz. Right out the window. You see? Don't be telling me to get in no man's feet. See, that's what I'm saying. How many people miss the, the blessing of God because you won't humble yourself to the way of God? Listen, when we fail to accept counsel, we experience delay, drift, and sometimes even defeat. Maybe you're here today and your life is on hold. Perhaps one of the things that you need to do is ask yourself, am I really listening to counsel? Am I rebelling against counsel? Okay, or am I listening to counsel? Some people just start drifting. Here's what happens. This happens, oh my goodness, this happens in our church all the time. You give someone advice, they don't like the advice you give them. So here's what they do. They go like this. I don't feel like being in ministry anymore. Just the Lord is leading me to a time of meditation and reflection. 
And then they say, uh, you know what, I'm not, I'm not really getting fed here anymore. Uh, there's something, something's wrong with the word. And then you don't see them. And they drift and they drift and they drift. And you know why? It's because when you don't accept counsel, the counsel of God from people that you're called to be under, it could be your choir leader, it could be the head usher, you know, it could be your mom. What you start to do is you avoid them because just seeing them annoys you. You see? But if you, if the people over you are not in agreement with your life, you're not on the right track. I plead with you. I plead with you. I'm telling you, you're not on the right track. If the people, if the godly people over you that he's placed in your life, if they're not in agreement with where you are, how could all of those godly people be wrong and you be right? It's very, amen. Thank you. Almost, we're just about done, but I need to say this to you. All right, something over the years that I've learned. If you want to be godly and if you want to be faithful to counsel, you're going to have to eat a lot of crow. You're going to have to humble yourself a lot. Okay? The Bible says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And sometimes God corrects you. Sometimes God rebukes you. We're living in a day. You can't say anything, you know, slightly strong to people. Even though the Bible says, the word of God says, rebuke with all authority. Once, why do you rebuke people? You rebuke people because after talking to them and talking to them, they won't get it. And so sometimes you have to blast someone a bit to see if they'll wake up. You see? So, so when someone has the hard head, you got to hit their head hard. You know, but we're living in a day, and I'm telling you right now, if you want the blessing of God, eat the crow. Humble yourself and say, Lord, I don't care what they say. I don't care how they say it. You know, I just want to be led by you. Can I tell you, this is a, almost a bad example. I'm about to close, Right? When I was growing up as a kid, we played in a baseball team, and our coach was a tough guy. He's a little guy like this. And we were all giants. One of my teams, one, just one team, okay, 15 and 16-year-olds, 13 of us got drafted. Okay, Sean Dunstan, who played shortstop for the Cubs, Manny Ramirez, who was a superstar, then he got a steroid scandal, but that's another issue, right? Um, all of these, this place has put out 50 major leaguers over the last 50 years. I could just name out, talking about a baseball factory. This one guy produced more baseball players. Unbelievable how many professional athletes came from this one coach. Only thing is, he was tough. He was so tough. One day we, we, we botched a game and he got so angry because we played lousy. We, we were like 19 and 3. And on the loss number three, he just blew a gasket. You know what he did? He sat on the pitcher's mound and he started eating grapes, reading a big, thick book. And, I don't, and he just said, run. Run. And I'll tell you when to stop. And he's going, he's, and we're sitting there running and running. But listen, none of us, none of us would leave that team. Because we knew this guy, this guy produces major leaguers. 
So eating a little crow once in a while, okay, is not so bad. How many know sometimes a little bit of hardship turns into a lot of blessing? How many would say amen? The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Because in due time, everyone say in due time. In due time, he will exalt you. The way up in the kingdom is down. Okay? So listen, let me just say these last, this last thing to you. Put up the next slide for me. Ruth trusted her future to wisdom rather than feelings. Now we come to the point of decision. And what she did is she trusted her future to wisdom, not to her feelings. She didn't say, um, Naomi, mom, you're such a great mom. But you know what, what you just said, that's really kind of crazy. I'm going to scare that man half to death. He's going to wake up and find me at his feet, and this is crazy. She's like, shh, shh, shh. I know how things go in this culture. I know how things go in this day, okay? Just do what I'm telling you. Trust your future to wisdom, not to your feelings. And she goes. She said, he'll tell you what to do. He knows what time it is. And that's where the, the, the power of God begins to launch. God might be speaking to you today. You need to follow wisdom instead of your feelings. As we go to make decisions all the time, we want to look for wisdom instead of feelings. How many would say amen? Let's lift our hands. I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever, all my days, I will love you, God. I will love you. I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever, all my days, I will love you, God. I will love you one more time. I will love you. 